Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. Happy Independence Day, everybody. Come on, happy Independence Day. Today we're going to have a cookout. Uh, we're going to have our 4th of July celebration. And, you know, I know, honestly, this is always hard for me because when you approach this time of year, I just want to celebrate. You know, I remember as a kid, it's all about the fireworks and all that. And, you know, it was okay for me growing up to be very patriotic and love our country and everything. But when you see America, let's just be real, America's in trouble. America's in trouble. So you kind of approach a holiday like this with mixed emotions, I know. Um, but, you know, we, we can still celebrate. America. We can still celebrate what God has done in this country. Amen. And we can celebrate what God's going to continue to do in this country. We need to pray for our country. We need to exercise our rights and our responsibility to be involved in the governing of this country. Amen. Um, You know, if uh, to stand for truth and freedom, we need to stand for truth and freedom. You know, there's two different there's two different visions right now of what America should be. And they're they're not in agreement at all. And so what will America be? I I don't know what it's going to end up being forward. But the other side, I'm just telling you, would like for you and me just to be quiet right now and go away. But if we won't stand up and speak the truth right now while the sun is shining, you know, Jesus was given an illustration of his ministry. He said, you know, work while the sun is shining, right? Because nighttime is coming. Work while it's day, he said, because nighttime is coming when no man can work. If we don't take the opportunity right now to preach the gospel freely, if we don't take the opportunity right now to pray boldly for our country and speak accurately to moral issues, how are we going to ever do it when the opportunity is closed? So let's not miss the opportunity that we have right now. Amen? Um. When Jerusalem was conquered by King Nebuchadnezzar and the Jews were carried off into exile in Babylon, the prophet Jeremiah sent them a letter. He wrote them a letter. You can find it. It's actually in the book of Jeremiah, the part of the letter. And uh, he basically was telling them, hey, just settle in. You've been carried off into exile. Settle in. It's going to be 70 years before you get back here. Some of you aren't even going to come back, but your children are going to come back. But he said, just settle down, plant, plant gardens, plant vineyards, build houses, you know, give your kids to be married, increase your population, don't decrease. Why? Because the famous verse, Jeremiah 29, 11, that we all quote, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, right? Plans to prosper you. He's saying, hey, it's going to be a time. It's going to be a time, but I'm going to bring you back into the land. And, uh, but in Jer- 20, Jeremiah 29, verse 7, listen to what he says. He's telling them, you're going to be there for a while, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For it's in its welfare, you will find welfare. So when you're in Babylon and the city prospers, you will prosper as well. Um, how many of you know a good, a good country, a good economy, a good uh, blessed land is good for everybody, right? When God makes the rain to shine, or the rain, the rain, to, the sun to shine, it shines on the godly and the wicked, right? When He sends the rain, it rains on the, you know, it rains on the drug dealers' plants as much as your, you know, your garden. You know, it, it's just the way it works, right? And so where there's prosperity and blessing, at all, we all benefit from it, right? And so I just think it's amazing, though, that God is telling. Uh, the the Jewish people who were exiled, cap, captured, you know, an act of war. Their their nation fell, and he's saying, "Pray for the pray for the welfare of the city." Wow. What city? Babylon. Babylon. There is nothing in the Bible that the Bible ever says good about Babylon. 
from the very beginning in Genesis and the Tower of Babel to the very end in Revelation, there's not one good thing the Bible has to say about Babylon, yet here he's telling them, you're in Babylon, pray for the city where I've exiled you. So, if, you know, if we can pray for Babylon, <laughs> we can pray for America, amen? First uh, Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4 says, First of all then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. Say all people. That's a lot of praying because there's a lot of people. <laughs> we probably could do more as far as praying if we're going to really pray for all people, right? So, But for all people, then it goes on, it gets specific. It talks about people in government. We don't have a king in America, but we do have people in high positions who are making decisions that affect our lives. And so he says, pray for those who are in kings and in high positions. Why? So that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. He says, this is good and is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. And this is what happened in Babylon. The Jews were exiled in Babylon, but because of the stand of a man named Daniel, Remember Daniel? I preached on him not too long ago, Father's Day, I think. Daniel and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, is how they're most, most like, likely known. Uh, they took a stand, and because God was with them, and they, they, they moved with wisdom, godly wisdom, and uh, they also had the ability to interpret the king's dreams, uh, Nebuchadnezzar himself actually wrote a letter to the entire world telling them to honor Daniel's God. Isn't that amazing? He said, it actually, you can read it. I don't have it, to put, or maybe I do have it to put up, Daniel 4.1. But it actually, he wrote this letter to all people, all languages, all nations of the whole earth. And he's honoring and, and, and testifying for the next several verses about what Daniel's God did for them. And it made a place where Daniel's people, the Jews, could live comfortably even while they were in a pagan land. So then there is always every reason to pray ever. Amen. So, you know, a lot of people are searching and asking right now, what role will America play in the end times? You know, it's like, where is America in prophecy, Bible prophecy? And there's probably people who will tell you where America is in prophecy. I'm not going to tell you because I don't know, because it's not written. And if it's not written, it's not written. I guess it's just up to America where we're going to end up in the scheme of things, how we end. You know what I'm saying? We can, we can be on God's side or we can be on the world's side, but a lot of it has to do with us. You know, uh, when, when uh, the prophet Jonah went to Nineveh, he went around and he prophesied. He said, in 40 days, this city will be destroyed, right? What happened? They repented. And God held back the destruction that he had predicted for them. This sounds like Jonah was a false prophet, right? Because he said a prophetic word and it didn't happen. No, but see, God is not, God is a God, in all through the scriptures, you see that God is a God who is working with his creation. Everything out there is not predetermined. It's just not. Uh, there are certain things that God said, I will do. And how can he do them? Because he's not weak. He's powerful. He works in the creation to bring about what he says. He says, I watch over my word to perform it, right? He says, I make known the end from the beginning. And then he brings it about. He's working in creation. But there are some things that are really just up to us. We just read there in, in uh, uh, 1 Timothy that he desires all men to be saved, right? He wills for everyone, but not everybody is saved, right? Why? Because he allows us to have a choice. And so... Um, 
um, because of the stand of Daniel and his friends, man, Babylon became a place where the, they could prosper as God's people. And we're looking for that too. We're looking for a place, a way that we can prosper and shine the gospel light, live honorable lives, preach the gospel and bring people into the kingdom. And that's God's will for our government. And we can pray that way. No matter what else is going on, we need to pray that way. Amen? Amen. So no matter what direction America ultimately goes, we need to be like the Apostle Paul. You remember him? He says, I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger and abundance and need. In other words, I'm living independent of my circumstances. When circumstances are going good, I'm consistent. When circumstances are going bad, I'm consistent. Why? Because verse 13, he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm not looking to my circumstances to determine what I can do and what I can't do. I'm looking to Jesus Christ. I'm living according to Jesus Christ. I'm living according to the word of God. We need that kind of persistence, amen? We need that kind of endurance, that kind of uh, grit, if you will, today. And so I want to just talk to you for a few minutes before we eat Before we eat today. I want to talk to you. I know everybody's mind is on the, on the cookout, and that's good. We're going to have fun. But I just want to talk to you about persistence. For Paul, his mission didn't change with his changing circumstances. When he got to a place and he was in prison, he started writing letters. You know, when he didn't have food, he still preached. When he had food, he blessed people, and he still preached. He did not ever come off task. He always stayed on point with what he knew he was called to do. And that's what we need to do as well. There are many, many instances in the Bible that, that you see this kind of persistence. I talked about it earlier, uh, the, the guys who took the, 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 his friend, their paralyzed friend up on the roof and lowered him on the mat in front of Jesus. Come on, is that not persistence or what? <laughs> I mean, to drag your paralyzed friend up on a roof, dig through somebody's roof. I mean, you know, I don't know what kind of house it was, but I mean, you would be upset no matter what kind of house you had if somebody was digging through your roof, right? And so here they dig through the roof, they lower the man down in front of Jesus, and Jesus didn't bother him at all. He was just willing to help. It might have been Jesus's house. It was either Jesus's or Peter's probably. Peter might have been a little upset if it was his. I don't know. But, but uh, then you see the woman. Do you remember the woman with the hemorrhage of blood? And she was crawling through the crowd to get to Jesus. And she was doing all she could to get to Jesus just to what? Touch the hem of his garment. Because she said, if I touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. And so she's got this persistence, this grit. How many people would really go out there in the middle of that kind of crowd and crawl through the, through the crowd on their hands and knees to get to somebody? That's, that's persistence. The Syrian woman who, whose daughter had a demon and uh, she wouldn't take no for an answer. Even when Jesus said, hey, it's not right to take the children's bread and give it to the dogs, she wouldn't back off. And Jesus loved it. <laughs> He's like, that's great. Great is your faith, right? The woman with the un, uh, going to the unjust judge, Jesus told that parable about how we ought to pray and never give up. And she kept going and going and going. And that judge finally said, man, I'm, I don't really care about righteousness, but this woman's going to wear me out. And he says, that's good. That woman's attitude was right. We need to keep on going, keep on fighting, keep on moving. Amen? Hebrews 10.36 says, you have need of endurance, for you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive receive what is promised. I want to say this today. Endurance is an expression of faith. Endurance is an expression of faith. Think about that. What is faith? Lester Summerall used to define faith as just keep going. 
Just keep going. Keep walking. Don't stop. Take the next step. That's faith. So endurance is an expression of faith. Say, so when they let that man down through the roof, right? It says in the word that Jesus saw their faith. What did he see? He saw their actions, right? Their endurance, their determination to get to him. He told the Syrian woman, he says, great is your faith, right? For that answer, great is your faith. Uh, the book of he um, in the book of Hebrews uh, chapter, the one I'm reading here, for you have needed endurance, uh, what you have, start over. <laughs> the verse from Hebrews there is the end of chapter 10. What's chapter 11 in the book of Hebrews? Anybody know? It's the faith chapter, right? This is how he's setting up the faith chapter. This is what earmarked the people who you'll find listed in the faith chapter who did all of these exploits that, that you know, some preachers I've heard call this the hall of faith, you know? It's a list of people who've just really taken names for the kingdom of God or, or stood and conquered giants and, and just did exploits for God. And here they are. And how does he introduce it? For you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. Verse 37, for yet a little while and the coming one will come and will not delay but my righteous one shall live by faith and if he shrinks back my soul has no pleasure in him but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed but of those who have faith and preserve the souls because we know this applied to Jesus when it talks about my righteous one right but but you and I are of Jesus we are not of those who shrink back to destruction but we are those who are persistent, those who have faith, those who endure, those who will not quit. Amen? Come on. Can I get an amen with that? Is that your heart? Is that what you're, yeah? Okay. Persistence in the scripture is rewarded. Persistence always pleases God. And everywhere you see it, it's rewarded. Romans chapter two and verse six, it, he, he's talking about uh, uh, um, Jesus who's going to judge the world, he says he will render to each one according to his works. To those who by patience in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. And I started looking this up in the Holman Christian Standard Bible, verse uh, seven, it talks about, it says, eternal life to those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality. Look at that, persistence in doing good. The New American Standard says perseverance in doing good. Persistence, perseverance. You get the idea here? The uh, uh, New Living Translation, it says, for those who keep on doing good. <laughs> I mean, that's what it really means, right? Just do good and then keep on doing good. Uh, New Testament for everyone says, when people patiently do what is good and so pursue the quest for glory, honor, and immortality, God will give them life, the life of the age to come. Isn't that good? For those who patiently do what's good. And then the King James, the old King James, he says, for those by patient continuance in well-doing. Patient continuance. What's continuance? It means you start something and then you keep going. And if it gets hard, you just patiently keep going, right? And you keep going and you be like the Energizer Bunny. Anybody old enough to remember the Energizer Bunny? You keep going and going and going and going. And uh, so, you know, how does a person go about then seeking glory, honor, and immortality? Well, by patience in well-doing by persistence in doing good, perseverance in doing good, keep on doing good, patiently do what is good, patient continuous. This is how we seek for glory and honor. 
This is the kind of persistence, this character, this persistent character is the kind of character that God's looking for. You know, um, determination and persistence will take you farther than giftings, right? Because there have been a lot of people who have been gifted, but they didn't have the character to, to hold up that, that gift. You know what I'm saying? And they would end up falling, they would end up not finishing the race because they had a gift, but they never developed the character to be able to take them to the finish line. And you might have a gift. You might think you don't have a gift, but I'm telling you what, character, persistence will take you farther. And it is cutting out, isn't it? <laughs> character will take you farther than even a gift will. Pers persistence will take you farther than a gifting. He will teach each one, it says, render to each according to his works. To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But though to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. So according to this verse, does it matter what we do? Does it matter what I do with my life, with my time, with my resources? Does it make a difference? You know, I know we, we trust in the grace of God, right? And I preach the grace of God as much as Anybody, much as I can, I, I mean, I, <laughs> I lean heavy on the grace of God, amen? But it's not anti-grace to say that actions have consequences because actions have consequences, they do. And so if you can be persistent in doing good, which is what the Bible calls us to, you know, you can also be persistent in the wrong things, right? We can commit our time and our effort and our talent and our energy to doing things that are not the right thing, wrong things, things that we shouldn't be doing. This is a danger. We need to watch out for it because we can actually, see, we become proficient in what we practice, right? Agree? So you need to be careful what you practice because you could get good at it. And there's some things you don't want to get good at. I mean, I've met people who lie so much that they don't even know they're lying. They don't even have to think about it. You know, and I wonder when they were little and those first couple of lies came, man, if there was even a conscience at all. But if they did, how did they override that over and over and over and over, you know? And to get to the place where they could just freely spew out non-truths, right? You can get good at doing things. You can get good at the wrong thing. So let me just ask you this. How many hours, this, I'm just having fun here. How many hours of persistent practice would it take, do you think, to master all 256 levels of Pac-Man? I mean, it'd take a little bit of time, man. That game wasn't easy, right? Now, I've never mastered all the 250. I could get up to, yeah, I could get up to a few levels. But how much time do we need to dedicate to social media before we become proficient gossipers? I mean, we could get good at it, right? How much time, how many TV shows do I need to binge watch and for how many weeks before I become a proficient couch potato? I'm just having fun with you. Uh, but listen to this. Here's my point. On the other hand, how much practice do I need to become good at something, right? You know, my daughter's taking piano lessons. How much time do you need to practice um, piano before you become good at it? You can start seeing results pretty quickly, you know? How many weeks do you need to go to a gym before you start feeling the effects of it in your body? It, it, these things happen faster than you would think. Um, how much time do you need to spend with God before you can learn how to hear his voice in a crowd every time consistently? It doesn't take as much time as we would think. What it comes down to is just being consistent, amen? 
being consistent, doing the same thing, doing the right thing over and over and over. Uh, you know, my, my daughter is taking piano lessons. And I really like her teacher because she, she, she watches her and she won't let her practice a bad habit. Right? She'll do something wrong. I won't even catch it. I'm like, oh, baby, that's beautiful. She's my daughter. It's like, you're a good piano player. But her teacher will be like, that. <clears throat> you know, that timing was wrong or that dynamic was wrong or something. And she'll say, don't practice it wrong. Because if you practice it wrong, that's how you'll play it, right? We don't want to practice um, incorrectly. We don't want to practice the wrong things. So God said, my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Another thing I want to tell you about persistence and, and moving forward is this. It's messy sometimes. It's just messy. You know, uh, Rick and, and Poppy and Bruce, who's traveling today, they went up and worked on that um, Smoky Mountain tiny house, yeah, and going up again. Could you imagine? And now they're working on the stairways, cutting the stringers. You can't do that kind of stuff without making a mess, right? I mean, you're going to have, uh, come on, I, I worked for 16 years in a wood shop, man. I know we had dust collection systems just to try to make the dust manageable. If you're going to make something, you're going to, you're going to make some mess, right? Anybody here a good cook, right? Can you cook without messing up a few pans, you know? I mean, I like if you could cook without messing up the whole kitchen or the whole house, but, but you're going to make a mess if you're going to cook, right? It's going to cost you something. It's, it's just the way it works. And so... Um, in Proverbs 14.4, listen to this verse. It says, where there is no oxen, the manger is clean, but abundant crops come by the strength of an ox. Where there is no oxen, the manger is clean. What does that mean? What's he saying? I mean, what would you rather have? Abundance of crops and the mess of an ox or a clean manger? right? <laughs> Think about it. You, you need this ox to bring in the harvest. You need this ox to work. You don't have this ox. You're going to have a clean harvest, but you won't have any increase in your land. You won't be able to till your field. You won't be able to work. So, um, you know, so what's going on here? Maybe some of you, you know, you, you don't really need an ox. Maybe a clean manger is your thing, right? <laughs> I'd rather have a clean, I don't, I don't need an ox. I promise you, I don't need an ox. <laughs> but there's other things you need. There's other, you know, tools and there's things. And what you're going to do in your life, what you do in your job, in your work, anything moving forward, there's going to be consequences. There's going to be, there's going to be some, some mess. You know, people can be messy. Have you noticed that? People can be messy. Um, so, you know, maybe you want a perfect kitchen more than you want a home-cooked meal. Hey, I've been there. <laughs> I'm like, man, we need to eat something, but I don't feel like cooking and messing up the house. Let's go to a restaurant and take the kids that way. They clean up instead of me, right? I've been there. I know what it is. But, uh, but you know, if, if that's the, your thing, a clean kitchen, then you're never going to get to experience a home-cooked meal, right? Um, maybe, you know, as a church, we need to be careful because we don't need to be more concerned about keeping our everything in order and keeping it perfect than we need to be concerned about winning people, right? Because when people come in, it, it's going to be messy, but good. But it's a good mess. Come on. It's a good thing to have uh, just people coming and going. And, and that's what makes life great, right? The friendship and the fellowship. And, and sometimes people come with problems and things. But, man, we're there for people. Amen. That's what we're called to do. We have fulfillment in that. And so he says where there's a, no ox in the manger is clean, but abundant crops come by the strength of an ox. So we need to embrace 
the pots and pans if we're going to cook, right? We need to embrace the sawdust if we're going to cook. We need to embrace people. But as we go on, God wants us, God actually wants us to um, take control of our actions and our resources. See, he's given each of us time. He's given us resources. He's given us influence. He wants us to take those and he wants us to direct them for the kingdom of God, for, for, for Jesus's ultimate purpose of coming and purpose of being. He wants us to bring our lives and our resources in alignment with what's he's, what he's doing. And I want to just kind of close with this story before we pray for our country, then eat. Um, and Josh, you're going to like this because um, when I was learning how to fly, um, I was flying mostly two airplanes. And, uh, you know, when you're, when you're driving on the ground, you're taxiing, you, you steer it with your feet because those rudder pedals are hooked up to the, to the nose wheel, right? And, uh, but there was one airplane that I would, would, would fly sometimes. And uh, whenever I would press it, I had no problem driving that airplane on the ground. It wasn't a problem at all. But in the Cessna 150, which was my, my first trainer, there's springs between the rudder pedals and the nose wheel, okay? So when, if you can just imagine, you know, uh, I'm pressing on the pedals and those springs are stretching and stuff. They're kicking back at me, right? So I'm trying to drive this airplane. I'm trying to taxi to the runway and I feel these springs kicking back at me. And I'm thinking it's my instructor. That's my problem. I don't, I don't realize that I'm supposed to be in control of this airplane. I feel these tension on these springs. And I'm thinking he's driving, and so what do I do? I would just let him have it. Well, he's waiting for me to take it, right? And so basically these springs are driving the airplane and we're veering off to the bean field. And I'm thinking, I wonder why he wants to go to the bean field. It just doesn't make any sense. I mean, you know, okay, a few hours. It's just a few hours, Josh. It's like my very beginning, okay? I mean, he's wanting to sign me off for my first solo flight, but he can't. He's like, because you need to learn how to taxi first, you know? So I'm driving around and I feel this, this, this pushback on these springs. I'm like, well... He must be wanting to do something, so I back off and let him have it. And he's like, then finally he would have to correct it, right? Because he's not going to let his airplane go into the, into the bean field or into the gas pumps or wherever I happen to be allowing it to go. See, I thought there was some kind of intention that he had that he wanted to control the airplane at that moment, and so I yielded to him. See, when you step out for anything in life that God has given you a directive to do, don't be surprised if there's pushback. Don't be surprised if there's resistance. But I, what I want to tell you is that pushback and resistance is not from God, right? There's not some hidden will. I don't know why some people think that God has a secret hidden will for me to go mess up my life somehow. He doesn't. He's made his will clear in the person of Jesus Christ. He's made his will clear in his word. And you get on your face before prayer, you get a word from God and you step out to do that. You're going to hit resistance. You're going to have the world is going to work against you. The devil is going to work against you. But that resistance that you're feeling, don't think that that's God pushing back against you. Amen. What he was looking for is the same thing my flight instructor was looking for. He wanted me to take authority of that airplane and demonstrate that I could keep the thing on the line on the taxiway way because I'd learned how to land the thing already. I just couldn't drive it on the ground. And one day he explained it to me. He says, there's these springs in there. And, and when I realized that it wasn't my instructor kicking back at me, it was mine to overcome and win. Do you see what I'm saying? The moment I realized that, that's the moment I learned how to taxi. It was that fast. 
I didn't have to learn. I knew how to text. I just thought it was him, so I'd always yield. And the moment you realize that God is working with you to accomplish the word that he's spoken to you in your life and those things that you have to accomplish, you won't take your hands off the controls every time something goes bad and say, oh, God, what's going on? You can keep your hand to the plow, and you can be consistent and persistent. Amen? So that's my example. So my question is this. Um, Let's take our time, our talents, and our resources and use them in alignment with heaven's directives. We don't have to do everything all at once, but I just want to invite you here as, we're, as I'm closing here just to think about one or two things that you could change. One or two things. Start with that. You know, two degree differences when you're going the long haul makes a big difference, right? I mean, if you're, if you're flying from here to West Coast and you're two degrees off, you can be hundreds of miles off course, right? You know, two degrees makes a big difference in the long term. Um, so, you know, maybe something little like when you go out, maybe you want to get better at soul winning and winning people to God or just uh, when you go out, just look for opportunities to strike up random conversations, right? You don't have to go in there with your, you know, with all your points and everything. Just start with a smile, Come on, people who smile get more conversations with people, don't they? People who are willing to say, hi, how are you doing? You know, uh, that, that's the beginning of any conversation. And maybe that's where you go for starters. But just m- m- determine to look for things like that. Maybe you need to um, um, <laughs> uh, read through the New Testament. Just spend some time, read two chapters a day. Do something small that you can do. I'm going to read a chapter a day, two chapters a day. I mean, a chapter a day in the Word of God feeds you, man. It makes a difference in your life. Maybe you need to put your house in order. That's what Rin Kim and I have been doing. Where'd she go? We've been cleaning the garage and cleaning the house, man. It feels good. It feels like you got a load off, man. You've been too, Corey, haven't you? Because you guys just moved. You know what I'm talking about. But, you know, whatever, little things like that that will help you get in a position where you can be a catalyst for this thing that God wants to do in your life and not have baggage that will stand in your way. Amen? So, you know, we say we want revival, right? We, we, we want God to move. We want to be a part of it. But revival starts with me. Starts with me living for God. And what little things am I allowing in my life that are just distracting me from the things that God wants to do? So we need persistence. We need to be doing the, doing the right things, expecting a little bit of mess and not worrying about a little bit of resistance. What do we need to do? Like Paul said again, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. Amen. And if you don't know where to start, come and help us hand out boxes of food this Saturday or come up and help us... Uh, 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 build some stairways and maybe some walls and windows. I don't know all exactly, but there's a lot of work to do. If you don't have any wood tools, we've got tools. If you don't have any skills, we need helpers. We need people carrying boards. And I mean, we, we, we need it all. We've got work for you to do. But uh, just put yourself in a, in, a, in a place where, you know what? Two things. You need to put yourself in places that allow you to use your talents and giftings that you already have, right? You also need to put yourself in places that will allow you to grow in areas that you're not familiar with and let God stretch you and work through there. Amen? Amen. So, can we pray? Let's just take a moment. Let's pray for our nation. I love America, man. I grew up, you know, like I said, patriotic. It It was never considered a controversial thing to wave a flag or something until very recent times. But, uh, My prayer is that God's not done with America. That America will once again be a beacon of hope. 
First Timothy, I read it in the beginning. I want to read it again. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Supplications, that's requests. Prayers, that's including public prayers like this. Intercessions, that actually means to go and have a conversation with God about your country. Go between, uh, go between God for your country. Go to God for your country. And obviously giving thanks. And I just want to take a moment. Father God, we just come to you together as a church, Lord, and as believers. Father, I want to start off with a thanks, a prayer of thanksgiving, Lord, thanking you for our country, thanking you for the system of governance that has brought us this far, that has generated this kind of blessing, not only for Americans, but for the world. In times past, we have been, in many ways, a bright light shining and been the hope of many people in many cultures. And Lord, sometimes it was because of America and our government, and sometimes it was in spite of America and our government, but you've used us to evangelize the world. And Father God, I pray for that to grow and to continue to grow in America. Lord, I want to thank you for the good men and women who have become public servants, who are serving in our, in our government and in our, in our um, armed forces serving in city governments and local governments, state governments, and even federal government, Lord, and the agencies. I thank you for the good men and women who are there. Father God, I ask that you give them just a, the wisdom of Daniel, a tongue of the wise. Father God, let them shine and prosper. And Father, let, the, let their witness and their testimony just make a way for you and for your people. And Lord, even the ones who are there for their own interests, Lord, I pray, I pray that uh, Proverbs 21, 1, where it says the king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord, and he turns it, when it wherever he will. Father God, I pray for those who maybe are there for their own self-interest, Lord, that you would take a hold of their heart and that when they stepped into that office, their will no longer counts, but your will counts, Lord, and you'll take their heart and you'll direct it like you direct the streams of water and that you'll bring them into alignment with things that will benefit your kingdom and your people. Father God, I ask that you would shine a light on our governments, national, state, local. Father, let things that are hidden be brought into the open. Father God, I ask that you would just expose every kind of corruption, every kind of injustice that's happening, Lord, secretly behind the scenes. I would ask that you would cause it to come out into the open, Lord. And not just come out into the open, but come out in such a way that it can't be, it has to be remedied, it has to be fixed, it has to be stopped. Let it corruption of every kind be exposed, Lord, and dealt with justly. Let truth and justice once again be known in our land. Father, I pray against those who would try to use our democratic system to destroy us from within. Father, I would ask that you would expose their motives and give us strength and courage to stand up for those who are being abused and manipulated. Lord, I pray for the citizens of our nation and those who have made America their home. Father, I pray that 
all everybody. I pray that all Americans have the opportunity to hear the gospel. Father, send us missionaries from other nations <laughs> to speak to us, Lord. America has sent out many missionaries, but Lord, we need the gospel preached here and proclaimed boldly in our land once again. Father God, let Americans hear the gospel and come to repentance. Father, that they would walk in your ways once again, that they would seek your face and walk in paths of righteousness and holiness in honor and reverence for you, Father God. Father, I pray for the church in America. I pray that she would embrace the power of the true cause of Jesus Christ once again, that we would have effective strategies to reach our communities, that we would be willing to let go of superfluous things, Lord, and once again become a powerhouse of the Spirit of God. Father God, that your church could once again speak a word in season into corruption and stop corruption. That your church could once again speak to leaders of all kinds, Lord, and call them into account. And be respected once again rather than mocked in the public square. Lord, I pray that your church will be salt and light once again. Father God, you have a willing group of people right here in this church. I believe you're raising up willing group of, groups of people all over this nation. Father God, we're looking to be a part of the revival that you want to send to America. And we thank you, Lord. We love our country. We'll serve you and we'll serve our country as long as they don't conflict. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name I pray. Father God, I thank you for this food that they're down there cooking and preparing right now. Father God, and the food that everybody brought, Lord, let us just uh, have a wonderful time of fellowship and friendship today as we celebrate the birthday of our nation. Most importantly here, Lord, we're here to fellowship and honor and worship you and celebrate Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, give me an amen. 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 Well, praise the Lord. Uh, excited about it? I think most of you saw where the moonwalk and everything.